your Pittsburgh Steelers show on the SteelerFury.com network. I am your host, Brad Chowda Ben, uh, a.k.a. Will Massasak, a.k.a. that other guy on Twitter. Uh, and um, with me, I have the uh, the esteemed pleasure of talking with two people who are going to complain for an hour. Uh, the first is uh, somewhere near Pittsburgh, suburban zone 22, <sighs> carrying the flag in Pittsburgh with shame. His name is Steel Perch. He's with us. How are you, sir? Well, if we were real Steeler fans, FC would have been given a Veterans Day off today, and I would have been 15 minutes late. So, <laughs> last week, last week, FC was 15 minutes late. So, <laughs> maybe I should give you the Vet Day off right now. Uh, also, with us, uh, as mentioned, uh, from somewhere in the South, where at least he can he can uh, pretend not to be a Steelers fan. Uh, his name is FC, and he's with us. How are you besides curmudgeonly, sir? Um, the Steelers better fucking win this week. I have every Atlanta Falcons fan that I know that is talking crazy shit to me. Well, you know, they're, they've been worse than the Steelers, so it's, yeah, it's hard for them to talk too much. One of the few teams that are you know, not as good. Um, uh, well, okay, FC, uh, I know the, I, I, I'm gonna, the word of the week is terrible. Terrible. I would agree. Coaching, processing, game planning, preparation, preparation, execution. Terrible. FC, that was uh, not preparation A or preparation B or preparation C. It was preparation right. H. It was preparation H. <laughs> right. I mean, it was really an itchy-ass performance. <laughs> Birch, can you explain how a team can look so good in quarter two uh, and, and not really look very good in any other quarter? That one's a little tough. I mean, we talked about it last week specifically, this exact specific thing, how they're not prepared to play and it takes them to get punched in the face before they really wake up and look like they realize there's a game going on. And then they go to halftime and then they come out and lay an egg afterwards. You know, it, it's, it's who they are. And they need to find a way to to break that habit, and I haven't seen any evidence that they can or will at this point. Persia, follow up. I know you you uh, said this week that you think the hole that the Steelers have dug at one two and one, or excuse me, one two and one is that it? No. Yep, that's it. Oh, that's four. Yeah, I just can't add right now. Um, at one two and one is t- their hole that they dug is too deep uh, for them to get out of. I mean, actually. If they were one and three, I'm inclined to agree with you. That actually half a game difference makes a whole big difference in terms of their chances. I mean, that's that's presuming that they figure out a way to play better. I guess that was going to be my question for you. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure you can a reasonable person can look at their defense and say they're going to get a whole lot better, maybe a little more stabilized uh, at mediocre. Um, but 
don't you, do you not think the offense is capable at least of, of performing better? Look at the schedule. That, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, think, schedule's uh, bad. They, all right, you, you can't beat Baltimore at home. You expect to beat them on the road. You couldn't beat Cleveland when they had Tyrod Taylor with a quarterback. You expect them to beat them now that they've got a young, exciting quarterback. You saw what happened twice when we played Jacksonville last year. You saw what happened the last 10 years of playing New England. Uh, Atlanta's coming to town, and uh, Drew Brees, we're going to be playing him pretty soon. You think our defense is even going to slow either of those two teams? Cincinnati twice. Cincinnati's not a pushover, even though the Steelers typically have their number. We're playing a number one schedule. We have to go to Denver and to Oakland, two places the Steelers never play well. And, by the way, you probably need to win nine out of those 12 games to sniff the playoffs. That's why I think the hole is too big to climb out of. Now, can they technically, mathematically? Sure. I don't think they've got the Jimmys and the Joes on the defense. I don't think they've got the coaches on the sidelines. Uh, the schedule's going against them. You know, the Le'Veon Bell drama is not going to go away anytime soon. I just I think that this season's pretty much down the shitter pretty pretty quick and pretty early this year. Yeah, FC. I'm mean, after listening to approach. I'm inclined to agree. I guess it's time to just wrap it up. Uh, any final thoughts? <laughs> the week to week league. Uh, I agree with uh, with some of the points Perch made. The schedule is not easy. You know, uh, it's going to be difficult. But I believe he threw out the magic numbers ten. The Sewers get the ten wins. I guarantee they make the playoffs, you know. Um, but there is some serious issues, and it goes, you know, whenever you have two players on your defense, when targeted, quarterbacks have a perfect quarterback rating, and that would be one Artie Burns and one T.J. Watt. Do you realize that quarterbacks have a perfect quarterback rating when they target receivers that those two players are covering? That's from Pro Football focus yeah i I just don't understand this problem with watt because the one thing watt appeared to be able to do last year at an nfl level was above average nfl level was cover receivers so i I just don't understand i mean it's and i'm not i'm not throwing tj watt under the bus but that's that's a problem anyone that watched the all 22 if for the last two weeks um it's just absolute randy fickner is in way over his head i'm gonna i'm gonna say that right now unless he shows a lot um Martindale just dominated us in the first quarter because he knew the script, basically. And after he made second half adjustments, the Steelers couldn't get past midfield, literally. Couldn't get past the 50-yard line. I mean, uh, he played the run with six men. You know, uh, he blitzed at perfect times. It was just, you know, great coaching against very poor coaching. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, Steelers sucked. You know, Cameron Hayward sucked. Stephen it sucked. You know, Hargrave and Bud Dupree have been too they're, – they're, they're penetrating. They're at least looks like they're close to making plays. You know, the same thing can't be said for, you know, other players. With Vince Williams, you have one option. That's bring him forward. He can't go sideline to sideline. He can't go in reverse. Um, he is what he is. Um, John Bostic is mediocre. I mean, he's pretty good, but – mediocre. You know, Morgan Burnett being out, Lee Strowman's on the field, who's absolutely brutal, and is the third or fourth round pick. He looks all that, which is where the Sewer should have drafted him. It's where pretty much everybody had him rated. I was wrong. I thought he was actually going to be a good player. I don't see that. I understand he's young, but there's just certain traits that I just don't see. So, and 
the Steelers' offense is based around Ben. Ben-centric. Yeah, but it isn't, it, you know, I mean, it, 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 has, it has worked a little better in the red zone. They're whatever, they're 78%. I think they're second in, in red zone efficiency right now. I, their, their problem is they just can't get going. Like the, the, the flow of the offense seems to be lost, Perch. And, I mean, some of that has to be attributed to the fact that they're, they're sticking with this running back that they, it doesn't even seem like they believe he can make plays, and yet they refuse to use the other two fresh running backs who have some – like there's some talent behind him. I just don't understand why if you don't believe in the runner, which like – if you don't believe in Connor, I get it because, you know, to, it, both to my eye and to the numbers, it looks like he's pretty mediocre. But if you're going to believe that, then why not try somebody else for a player or two? Like I, I just don't – I don't really understand where that comes from. Is that because the OC is overwhelmed with the other aspects of his job he's dealing with that he's not saying to himself or saying to anybody, we need to get this other guy in? I don't, I don't understand. Perch, offer an opinion. Yeah, I mean, until the wheels fall off is the Tomlin philosophy with running backs, and it has been since, you know, back as far back as we can remember, even back to Willie Parker, Richard Mendenhall, uh, Le'Veon Bell, now it's James Conner. I think James Conner is a, a solid number two back in the league. You know, he's, he's, he's a solid second stringer that you bring in to, to take, take some carries away from your, your top guy or fill in for a game or two if your top guy gets hurt. That's who he is. The other two guys they have are third string, you know, fringe NFL players, if, if you ask me. Why did they don't give those guys a, a handful of carries here and there for just a change of pace? I don't know. But, you know, everything we had coming into the season, just rewind your brain a couple months ago, uh, we had planned on coming into the season with Le'Veon Bell and Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown and all the and Juju in the second year. Juju was supposed to be the third receiving target this year, not the number one. You know, a lot has changed, and uh, we've got. Uh, even though it's a new offensive coordinator, it's a guy who's been here. I think we're pretty stale. I think that teams, when they go to prepare for the Pittsburgh Steelers, know damn well what they're going to face. They know our route combinations. They know what we like to call when, and it's pretty easy to sniff out. And if you listen to Tomlin's, you know, press conference every Tuesday, he talks about, well, hey, this team, you know, they've got a couple of new guys on offense, on defense, and they've got a new coordinator, which is going to make it difficult for us to, to game plan and prepare for. Well, the Steelers never have that advantage. And I think that's part of the reason the season starts so slow. Typically, you know, we're not a good September team, but we're a really good December team. Once they can kind of see people's tendencies and game tape and what they want to do and how they're using personnel, they can then – you know, coach and adjust to that. But uh, the Steelers are predictable. Their opponents uh, are unpredictable. And I think that's created a portion of the problem that, that, that we've kind of faced so far. Yeah, the predictability aspect of it is, I mean, FC, did you watch uh, Monday Night Football? Yeah. So, so when you watch a team like the Chiefs, uh, can you believe they play in the same league that the Steelers play in? I believe they had nine different eight excuse me eight because Timmy Watkins went out injured eight different receivers had catches in the game um they had only three different only three ball carriers three guys carried the ball including Mahomes but you know um they're it's like the Steelers offense is like stale old guy offense you know um where's even whenever it was going bad, the one thing I'll give Coward credit for is he would try to, you know, with Wisenhut or with Malarkey, 
the trick plays, the shenanigans. You know, we have none of that. And I'm not saying, you know. But even FC, but even, you don't even need to do necessarily trick plays. There's no window dressing. There's no motion, you right. know, ahead of the snap. There's no, like, take a, a B and move them around to, like, give, give the defense something to think about and adjust to while you misdirect and go somewhere else. There's no misdirection in terms of the way that the plays are run. It, it's the damn I completely damn. agree. Well, let's, let's, I'll, 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 I'll make this real quick. Let's say Mitch Trubisky, who had the greatest game in the history of football. I'm being sarcastic, but he did throw six touchdown passes. Four of the six touchdown passes came off the exact same wheel route play. The only thing they did is they showed it four different ways, four different formations. Four of six touchdowns were the exact same play. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, this uh, this the thing is. I, I think you have to trick defenses one way or the other, and you can trick them with formation. You can just it's the Steelers have way too much talent, not to, on offense, not to be able to get the ball past the fifty yard line on five six possessions. It's way too much. Talent. Yeah, I completely agree. Perch, I have this saying: What did I watch a basketball game? Uh, and there's a run. There's always a run in the basketball game, and uh, it's like you can't judge the game based on anything during the run. You have to wait till the run is over and then you evaluate, okay, like how bad how bad is it? How far are they down, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I kind of feel a, a similarity to you can't really judge the Pittsburgh Steelers about how they play against the Ravens at all, but particularly in September because I don't think there's really any correlation between the way that they game plan, adjust, uh, approach, play call nothing against the Ravens really relates to what they do versus anybody else. That's a, you know, we could have a whole hour discussion on why they don't play the Ravens differently. Is it because the Ravens are are good and know all their tricks or, you know, whatever. But I mean, maybe I guess the one, the one note of optimism I will sound is I just feel like it's a, you know, it's fair to judge this team based on what they've done for a month, but I don't necessarily think against what they did against the Ravens, I don't know. Do you think what they look like against the Ravens is what they're going to look like the rest of the season? Well, it's Heather. That's your primary chief AFC North divisional rival. You know, if they're getting the better, you okay? Steelers swapped the Ravens last year, but the two previous years, I think the Ravens won three out of four. Uh, they look like they're on, on course to sweep the Steelers again this year. If you can't build your team to beat your biggest rival in your division, you've got a serious problem. So if they aren't calling the right plays or, or scheming properly or, or, you know, whatever the case is against their biggest rival, then that's who you are. And that's your deficiency. If you can't beat Jacksonville twice last year, you can't go to the Super Bowl. If you can't beat New England for 10 years in a row in the playoffs, you can't get to the Super Bowl. Those are things you've got to fix and find a way, you know, the elite teams beat that they win those games. No, I completely agree with you. But I'm saying, I guess what I'm I'm saying is, do they – if we judge them based on what they did Sunday, one would think there's no chance that they can rectify any of that stuff and improve enough to beat the teams in their division and so on and so forth. But I guess what I'm saying is I don't feel, I don't feel like that's a done deal. I might feel differently about that in a couple of weeks, but right now I don't feel like it's a done deal that this is who they are and they're not going to be any different because, frankly, they haven't been very good in September in any year. Except for maybe 2010. Yeah, but I, you know, on the off, I'll defend the offense a little bit. Baltimore does have a good defense, and Baltimore has kept most of their opponents down pr- pretty good. I think they're the number one defense in the league, whatever. 
our defense got carved by Joe Flacco. We got carved by a guy that just got benched, a, a journeyman veteran backup guy down in Tampa Bay. They got carved by a, essentially a rookie making his third start in Kansas City. Defense is flat bad. Tyrod Taylor put up touchdowns against them in, in key situations when they needed to stop, and they couldn't stop Tyrod Taylor, who was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL this year. So he got hurt, and he'll probably never start a game again unless he's coming back in for an injury. Um, the defense is historically bad. <laughs> Will the offense get but better? Sure. But here's the offense a, okay. Yeah. Okay, but FC, we think – we're Steelers fans. We think this defense is historically bad. I'm here to tell you this, this defense is mediocre in for 2018 NFL. I mean, part of the problem is that we're judging what's happening based on both, you know, both our offense and our defense. We're judging them through a lens that doesn't match what's happening in the NFL in 2018. Right. I mean, this basically both the offense and the defense are mediocre. Neither is actually played uh, really bad or really good. You want to take um, issue with that? I don't take issue with it. I mean, um, it's really bad for Steelers standards, both on both sides of the ball. Oh yeah, you know, and maybe it's you can say that as Steelers fans were spoiled. I agree, but you know, the game plan defensively was against Baltimore. I believe it was very soft or very scared. It was a scare game plan where you know they. They really didn't – how many times did the Steelers drop seven and eight in that game? And, I mean, Joe Flacco not only could have burped the baby back there, he could have burped the baby, changed his fucking diaper, fed it, burped the baby again. He had eight, nine seconds. And that's <laughs> You know, I mean, at, at some point you got to say, you know, damn, you know, two at Hayward, Dupree, Chicklow, somebody beat a block. And – uh Baltimore's offensive line shut down our defensive front seven. That's that is one of the big problems. And I mean, Artie Burns is terrible. You know, I I sense him bar. I mean, he he makes plays. I mean, I'll give him credit. He's made a few plays, but it's just bad. And I think that trickles I, from the coaching being soft. I think that you know. Everybody's waiting for the, the the next bad thing to occur, and it's it's. I can understand the nightmare scenario that Perch sees. I also can understand your optimism because if this, I mean, Boswell makes a field goal. You know, it's a whole different season. We don't lose to Cleveland. I'm not going to say the Kansas City game is going to be different or the Baltimore game is going to be different, but you know, I don't think the Steelers are nearly as bad as we think. But I think I, I mean the Patriots are two. Just saying the Patriots are two and two. Atlanta's one and three. I, you know, it's. It, I guess what I'm saying right. is, I doubt. I doubt they're as bad as they've looked through four games. That doesn't mean I think they're great or, or even really good or right. a playoff team. But Basically, I just. Basically, if you're a Steelers fan, I I think Perch hit the nail on the head with they better win nine more games if you want to make the playoffs. They win nine more games. I think they win the division. How about that? If they would, if they win nine more games uh, with the schedule that they have, I'd be damn impressed. Um, I mean, that would be a hell of a job of either coaching or somebody stepping up that you're not expecting to step up or something. Because, uh, you know, I don't know that that's the. It's a much worse schedule this year. Set it from the beginning. Much worse schedule this year than it's been in recent years, and worse than that, 
the early part of the schedule was the easier part of the schedule, quote unquote. Um, if they win nine more games, the offense of in line in defensive line and front seven of the Pittsburgh Steelers begin to dominate games. That's the only way it's going to occur. Yeah. Hey, uh, Perch. Speaking of, uh, you know, I was going to say I was going to ask the question. You know what? Conceivably, I mean, it's easy to look at the offense and think about what can get better. Ben hasn't really played that well. Uh, AB hasn't really played that well, and James Conner uh, is now sort of uh, com- reverting to the mean, I guess you would say, uh, for his ability. But on defense, feels like there's they could make some personnel changes that would that would make things happen. I'm going to start with this one. Are you excited that the Nat Burhe era uh, on defense is over? <laughs> yeah, there, there is one silver lining, you know, and it, it it should never started. I don't think he ever should have made the roster, and he was only in because of emergency in the game, and there was nobody else as far as depth there. But um, you know, this is the point of the show where I just go off track and, and do what I want to do. Thirtieth, <laughs> they are thirtieth, thirtieth in the league in, in yards allowed, twenty fifth in yards per play allowed, twenty sixth in points per game allowed. We think this defense was pretty bad last year. They were a top 10 defense last year. Statistically, anyway, they were a top 10 last year. So when I say historically bad, we're coming off of a a 10-year run of Dick LeBeau where they finished first, second, or third pretty much every single year. And this year they're trending to be about 26 to 30. Okay, but wait. FC's famously stats are for losers. You know what's really for losers is judging based on yards. Based on yards is, is silly because there's no context to that at all. If you contextualize what the Steelers' defense has done, um, they're they're not a lot better, but they're not that bad. And what I'm saying is, by 2018 standards, if we look play by play, whether they succeeded or not on that play, and we and we take into account the the quality or the, the strength of the teams that they've played on offense, they're 19th. Okay, they're about three percent, three point six percent better than the average NFL team on defense. They're 19th against the pass, which is you know obviously not very good, and 17th against the run. Do I think that makes them a good defense? No, but I would say that the you know if you if you contextualize it, a lot of teams are worse. Dallas, the Chargers, San Francisco, Cincinnati, Carolina, Minnesota, you know, et al. And if you look at our offense, we've played the two worst defenses in Kansas City and Tampa Bay, and we're about to play Atlanta, who's third. New Orleans is the one after that. So if, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, Perch, you can give up all the yards you want, but if you if you give up. 18 yards on third and 19, it's not the same as giving up two on third and one. That's all I'm saying. Go ahead with your rant. All those other teams are playing in 2018, too. That's all I can say. Joe Flacco and uh, Tyron Taylor are two of the four quarterbacks that, that beat you in key situations. But I think your original question, uh, not that I usually answer your original question, but I'll try and do it here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You know what can get better? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think Joe Hayden's been somewhat of a bright spot at times. I mean, even at his best, he's still going to get. You know, he he's at least competitive. When he gets beat, he's in the right position and he's trying to make a play in the ball, and he just gets beat. It happens, but he's at least there, and 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 he's a steadying factor. Maybe Artie Burns gets. You know, I, I think when Artie Burns got benched when he came back in part-time duty he caused that fumble and was playing hard um you know sean davis is better than any of the three of us probably would like to admit because i don't think any of us were were too big of a fan of him uh, up until this season but he's he's played better um you know morgan burnett ever gets back and, and can kind of 
you know, solidify that strong safety position and, and allow, you know, a lot of the young guys to, to kind of just play sparingly. That could help. And they're talking about actually giving Matthew Thomas some reps. I mean, I think that, you know, hey, maybe, maybe if Vince Williams is out for a game or two and Thomas is forced to play, because you know Dirty Red's going to be in there and we're going to be screaming and yelling at him covering Tevin Coleman out of the backfield. If you hear a very loud scream from the North FC, you know what it mm. is. It's Dirty Red yeah. covering Tevin Coleman out of the backfield and chasing him for 50 yards. Yeah. I think we're going to see yeah. that this weekend. But, you, you know, the, the defensive Coleman's line is – He's yeah, I, I liked him a lot coming out. I wanted the Steelers yeah. to look at him, but it didn't happen. But you know, you know, Hayward's going to play better. You just you have to think that he's due to it. I don't get it. I mean, I, I was as big a fan of Tua as anybody when they up to when they paid him, and then he got hurt. And last year was kind of a wasted season for him. He's on a milk carton this year, not doing anything. Yep. You know, it's not it's not that he's just isn't doing anything either. Just even when he's run at, he's you know he's getting pushed out of the way. He's getting zero penetration. And I think some of that they're they're doing some more stunning with the with the outside linebackers and those guys are asked to eat some blocks they're for a little bit longer. Every fucking yeah, time. yeah. So it it just I, I don't. If the defense got to be the sixteenth, the legitimate sixteenth best defense in the league, I think they'd have a chance to be a playoff team. I just um I'll hold my breath on that one. I mean, all I'm saying is, Perch, as bad as they've played, there's, there are teams that are worse. One of them's coming to town on Sunday, FC. Um, and, I, I, you know, this is a game where I think you're going to really miss Le'Veon Bell because the one thing that everybody knows about Atlanta's defense for a, at least a couple of years now is that they, are, they have been the worst for several years now at allowing uh, yards to running backs in the passing game. Uh, so – how do the Steelers match up with what Atlanta is going to do on defense and the Atlanta's defensive problems? And uh, how do they make this work without living on bell? You're going to be very unhappy. <laughs> I'm going to, I, I've been thinking this all week. I haven't posted because I really don't want to make people unhappy at our board. I have a feeling and I'll explain why um, that the Steelers are not going to be as Ben centric nearly as Ben centric as they've been so far this season. I think that John Connor, unless they're getting blown out, is going to get 25 plus carries this week. I think the Sewers are going to lean on their offensive line and their run game at home and hope to get some stops on defense. And uh, there, there's some things that nobody wants to talk about. Ben's arm didn't look great against Baltimore. I'm, what I'm saying is he's been using it a lot this season. I, I don't want to say he's a dead arm, but his balls did not look as good in against Baltimore as they did, let's say, week two. Um, I think you're going to see ugly formations to two and three tight ends. I think the Steelers are going to try to go four yards in a cloud of dust, four yards in a cloud of dust and win old school Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, front. it doesn't totally surprise me. I mean, they're 30th against the rush. Of course, they're also 27th against the pass Atlanta. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's like it, it ought to be a week where you can, you can score against them. Um, but, I mean, just, you know. 2005, 2006, Ben. And I think that's going to be the game plan. But 22 he, he, to 24 passes. That's you fine. Know, 
I'm saying that's 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 fine. I mean, I, I don't believe right. in balance as an abstract. It's balance whenever you know, run, be able to run when you need to run, and be able to pass when you need to pass. And be able to, to tell Antonio Brown to shut the fuck up, and we're not throwing the ball when you need to. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess what I would say about this is I I, I don't worry about that game plan against Atlanta. I worry about James Conner being the center of any game plan in the NFL. I don't like it either. I'm not going to lie. I don't like his vision, and I don't like that he has shown the propensity to fumble at bad times from college to pros. He's only fumbled once in the pros, but I don't like his vision. Other than that, I have no real problems with John Connor. He tries hard. The effort's there. It's just he doesn't have the national natural gift, national natural ability to visualize, to see a hole, to read something pre-snap, and know where to go, which Le'Veon Bell, Jerome Bettis, had. Willie Parker did not have it, but Willie Parker had about a one three three ten yard split, which let him do his thing. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. James Conner at Perch, he look. I'm going to guess he was a pretty good linebacker, right? <laughs> so, I mean, he, what I'm saying is when he showed up, he was a pass rushing linebacker in college, uh, and he sort of plays running back like he's a defensive player. In a way, I guess that fits the Steelers' mentality, but it's uh, it's weird to me that he became a running back of such renown. Uh, anyway, uh, I know you're a big Pitt fan, so you probably feel differently about that than I do. Joking? Who's a big Pitt fan? <laughs> <laughs> Joking, mm. Perch. <laughs> um, yeah, you root for the team that uh, called a fourth and three or fourth and five draw play. At the- oh. Oh my God! <laughs> so let's not go. Yeah, there. yeah, that was not one of our most stellar moments. But uh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> no, hey, if it definitely. worked though, it, it looked like a genius call. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, I don't know, Perch. What do you think about this? What the Steelers' game plan will be coming out against Atlanta? I mean, I'm, I'm sort of inclined to agree with FC that that's what they'll attempt to do. Um, do you think that'll work, especially especially if they get down early? I, I think that. Uh, they're tired of answering the question about the slow starts. I think they're coming out first drive and they're putting the best possible scripted drive to come out with a touchdown uh, early in the game. I think you'll see some trickery. I think you'll see some misdirection. I think you'll see some mixed runs and some passes. I think they're going to put their Super Bowl winning drive together, for lack of a better term, in that first drive of the game to try and get a lead. Uh, I think they also realize that they're not going to stop Atlanta for the entire game, and I think I think that they'll actually be smart enough to coach uh, to for for a thirty five thirty three win instead of trying to win this game seventeen fourteen. Yeah, I think they realize they cannot stop Atlanta for any given length of time. So, as much as looking at Atlanta's defense and what they're good and bad at and personnel makes me want to agree with FC one hundred percent. But yeah, they're just going to come out and try and. and ground and pound and smash Atlanta. I think I think they know that they're going to have to score a lot of points. So I think it'll be a very similar game plan to what, what they've done in the past. Yeah, FC, what do you think about these front seven matchups, Steelers offense, Atlanta defense? You said that, that front is undersized. Uh, Tackle Kinley's played pretty well for them. Um, you know, they have, some, they have some good guys in the middle. I mean, what – if you're going to attack them with this style of game plan that you're talking about, um, what what are we specifically, what should we be looking for? Ramon Foster, if he can read his numbers 85% of the game, the Steelers are in trouble. He is the key to the Steelers' offensive line in a lot of ways. Um, he's at times very good. If he keeps his pads low, 
they can run the ball. I have zero fear of Vic Beasley or Tap McKinley in the run game. Um, Villanueva and Marcus Gilbert, when inspired, can dominate in the run game. Both of them. Um, I believe they're going to be inspired. Um, I I agree with Perch about the opening drive, but I think that the Steelers look at this in the best way to have Atlanta not score points is for Matt Ryan and Ridley and Julio to be on the sidelines. Um, the, the, the key matchup is going to be, you know, can Ramon Foster and David DeCastro, you know, get to the second level and win against Grady Jarrett, who is expected to play. And I'm, I, I've seen a lot of Atlanta games because they have them in opposite of the Steelers. And, uh, they're very similar teams. They bad luck. Atlanta has injuries, but they also, Matt Ryan will fucking melt under pressure. I mean, more so than Joe Flacco. So, I mean, if you're going to plan on rushing four, you're fucked. Yeah, unless those, unless those four can create pressure, right? I mean, I don't know. Uh, Perch, yeah. we seem to be able to last year. Uh, and even in the beginning of this year, create pressure with, with only four rushing because of, like, we were disguising looks and whatever. Man, did they get vanilla on defense against uh, Atlanta's front. Let's talk about that front seven matchup for a second. Um, do you think there's any way the Steelers can be a little less vanilla in this game but still not uh, commit to blitzing? Well, you know, Atlanta's – that's one thing that they have done is they have given up a, hand, a bunch of sacks. I think the uh, they've given up 10 sacks so far this year and their offensive line, you know, it's solid. Uh, it, you know, I'm not the biggest Ryan Schrader fan. I don't think he's the greatest pass blocking. Uh, I don't either. I, I am a fan, but I don't, he's way overpaid. No. I'll yeah. And, and, you know, and Jake Matthews, Jake Matthews also stinks. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, and their, their guards aren't that great. I, you know, they got Alex Max in the middle, but it's, it's, a, it's an offensive line that, that can be beaten. We just don't have guys that win one-on-one matchups. You know, you're counting on Bud Dupree and and those guys to beat people. Cam Hayward, stuff to do it. Exactly. I think it's gonna it's gonna take uh, some blitzes and some disguise blitzes and, and some pressure coming from, uh, you know, maybe a, a cornerback blitz, something like that, to get some people through to get some get some hats on him. Um, you know, I think we'll probably. I'm sure the team will probably get two or three sacks in the game. I think they'll be able to do that. I don't think our defensive line is gonna dominate. Atlanta's offensive line and shut that offense down. But I think there will be some drives that they possibly slow or even possibly end, you know, with a big sack here or there. But it's just, you know, the two weaknesses against each other is kind of how I would look at it. You know, nobody's going to overwhelm the other side. No, I mean, that's <laughs> – yeah, it's like they, they have different problems, but they have similar efficiency problems. Uh, I mean – that the thing is, FC. I look at this. You know, I think about what the why Jacksonville was so successful in Game One against the Steelers last year. And to me, there's you know three big factors. Their defensive line overwhelmed the Steelers' offensive line. That's one. Number two is they had a guy who couldn't necessarily take Antonio Brown completely out of the game, but who could more or less match him, slow him down. That was number two. And number three is they had that rover guy uh, in the middle to take away those dump offs to the running back and tight ends and make them make them uh, plays that were for short gains, didn't get the first down or were not able to be completed. Right. So that's a that seems to be the formula. Pretty. That's pretty hard for the Steelers to beat. 
I, this Atlanta team, though, they lost Deion Jones. They lost Keanu Neal in the middle there. Uh, they, I don't know if they have that dominating defensive uh, front four. It just feels like a game to me where that, that kind of game plan that worked against uh, Tampa, the dump-offs to the running backs, it throws to the tight end in the middle, Juju Smith-Schuster on shallow crosses, Antonio Brown on shallow crosses. That, I, how does Atlanta stop that? Um, same way Baltimore did last week. Um, I, 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 I know you're going to say they don't have the Jimmy's and Joe's. <laughs> I almost just said it, but okay, go ahead. Yeah. They sort of, kind of do. I understand that, you know, Eric Weddle gets a lot of love, but Tony Jefferson's nothing special. It's free safety for them. Jimmy Smith didn't play, you know, um, are we really, is Marlon Humphreys that special? Um, I think the Steelers have to show more. I think they have to show it all offensively. And, uh, you know, I, 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 can, I can see why both you and Perch believe that this is gonna, oh, we're going to have to score points, we're going to have to score points, we're going to have to score points. I'm leaning towards the Steelers' defense is going to play their best game this year. They're going to have to get a ton out of Cam Hayward. He's making a ton of money. They're going to have to get a ton out of Stefan to it. He's making a ton of money. Both those guys are getting paid like Fletcher Cox. The Steelers need him to play like it. They need him to play like Cam Jordan, you know, J.J. Watt. The guys are getting paid tons of money. And if they don't produce, they got to go. <laughs> you know, it's and that's, yeah. that's, that's hilarious to say. But if we're going to be shitty, get it over in a year or two. Yeah, I mean, I understand that if if this is if if we got to worry about if if, if, if the team got to worry about hanging in there, you know, doing certain things when you got so much money tied up and spent on that front seven, which you know, Bud Dupree's making a ton of money. T.J. Watts, you know, a rookie, but he's making first round money. You know, Vince Williams got a nice deal, paying John Bostic decent money. It's not like we got fucking bums out there, you know? It's we got guys that are not producing. If and if it's not a Jimmy and Joe problem, you gotta fire the entire coaching staff. Something gotta go. It's gotta be one thing or the other. Or both. <laughs> or everything. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. Um Man, Perch, I Am don't I know. the only one that's waiting for Cam Hayward or Stefan to it to to make a play? No, I think we, we were talking about Stefan Tuitt. I mean, I would, you know, I'd, I'd raise the question, is, did Stefan Tuitt not recover fully from the bicep injury? I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i only saying that. I'm not trying to give him an excuse. I'm saying that he doesn't look he like the same player. He does. Since he, since he had that injury, he does not look like the same player. And I know his long arms and his leverage, you know, power with those arms was a big part of his success too. So so maybe that's, maybe that's it, that we're, you know, he's never going to get back to that. That would be like a, you know, Woodley situation that would just be bad. Um, Perch, I, I was going to talk for a second about the, you know, this ongoing issue with the fact that the Steelers don't really have a deep threat to uh, to pull any kind of uh, safety attention away from Antonio Brown. Um, you know, Hayward Bay might not play this week, so you can't even like run him in there for a few snaps. You know that's a that's an issue because if you want to do this game where you want to run the ball and control clock and throw it underneath and so on and so forth, don't you need a guy to really threaten taking the top off? 
I mean, it, I think it's time to have the conversation. I've been kind of hitting around to it for a couple of weeks. I haven't seen James Washington. I'm not even talking about making a 50-yard bomb down downfield. I haven't seen him get separation on those routes when he has run them. And, I, again, I was up in the cheap seats uh, the first home game and, and watching every time he came in the game and it, just kind of see what he did and, and the routes that he ran and, and see how he looked. And he's covered. You know, the guys are running step for step with him. So if Ben's throwing it, it's got to be a 50-50 ball for him to go up and use his long arms and his strength to pull it away. He's not beating NFL corners and he's not like, remember Mike Wallace, when he came in his, his rookie year, holy shit, that guy was six steps behind people. And they just had no idea how to, like, they were surprised by, by the amount of speed that he had and, and couldn't keep up with him. Washington's like running Anquan Bolden on a, on a deep route right now. I mean, it's, it's something that needs to be discussed. And I was a big fan of his in college and I liked the pick when we made it. And I, I think that he's got traits that, that, that could make him a good receiver in the league. I don't know if he could be the deep threat in the league that he was in college. And if he can, he better start showing it here week five because it's time we need it. You know, I think it's a conversation that needs to be had and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an issue. He's the guy, he's the only guy, you know, there's not another guy. DHB is just, he's a special teams guy. He's not a real receiver. Um, it's, it's, but I mean, they use him. You know, they use him four or five snaps in the past, and he 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 threatened. He even made a couple plays downfield. I'm saying he doesn't have to be the guy. Uh, he's not going to solve your problem for like every down. But at least you had him out there to trot a couple times. Um, uh, the question, if I follow up question, Perch is, you know, if you had a chance, if you were the GM, would you? I'm just going to throw this out there: cut Hunter and bring da- Damon Patterson in if he's healthy. Because to me, Damon Patterson is a guy who could be that guy right now. Um, I don't know if I would do that. I mean, Hunter, to me, is a waste of a roster spot. And maybe he does get let go whenever Le'Veon comes back. You're kind of looking at the roster and, hey, who's the guy that goes? Uh, if DHB's healthy and Hunter's not dressing, he doesn't play special teams, and he isn't that damn good of a receiver when he is there, he doesn't really need to be taking up a roster spot. So that might be the guy that, that gets whacked either way, but – you spent a sec. You traded Martavis Bryant, and you spent a second round pick to solve this problem. Okay, what did you get out of it? A, a third string quarterback and a possession receiver. <laughs> These are the things that cause snowball problems that end, that, that takes your season from thirteen and one to one, two and one. I mean, this is a major issue. This is what they tried to solve, and I think they maybe maybe uh, struck out on it, but you know, it's early and I don't want to give up on the guy because I, I think he does have talent, but it, you've got to show some separation. You've got to get open once in a while. And if he does get open, Ben's so far off on his deep balls. He's throwing them six yards out of bounds. He hasn't, or he throws them eight yards in front of the guy. He's just not been accurate on the deep ball. So and even if they put DHB in the game when he's healthy, nobody's rolling a second, nobody's rolling a, a safety to double team him, you know, uh, it, it's just yeah. I think teams are gonna take their chance with what he could do. Yeah, still got to make some plays. No, still got to make some plays. Um, well, FC, I think it's time to. I mean, anything else you want to add about this about this matchup before we move on? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like just just move on in general? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Pick segment. Yeah, let's move on to our illustrious pick segment, our Around the League uh, pick segment brought to us by Mike Pereira, Dean Blandino. We're going to go back to keep Tlaib's mom for old school juju, maybe try to get a win. Um, <laughs> and, oh, my God, oh, 
for anybody that uh, got stuck watching Monday Night Football, oh, Jason Witten's bad. Oh. Yeah, I mean, um, FC, I think maybe you should apply for the job. I would. I mean, you'd be yeah. more entertaining than Jason Witten. Come on. I would. I would be far more entertaining. I will say that. I'd, I'd take you over Booger and the Cherry Picker any day. <laughs> oh, that'd break that Cherry Picker. That would be great TV. Watch the fat guy fall. Come on, have you seen Booger McFarland lately? I have. I mean, he's actually lost weight. I mean, he couldn't be more openly cheering for Tampa in the Tampa Steelers game. I mean, I wasn't going to bitch about it, but the only thing worse than that was that fucking Max, Max Williams illegal lineup play that uh, against the Steelers, but... We're going to leave the Baltimore. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Yes, I do. Break the, 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 the weight. Oh, by the way, we That's had a such an... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you said it's such a. It, it's such an easy call, and it was so obvious that it was an illegal formation, and I was screaming it, but evidently it was too quick, and the referees missed it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it's not. It doesn't have to be illegal, but the way that they the way that they set it up was at least borderline. No, oh, it was illegal. He he did not break the crest of the waistline of uh, both interior linemen. I th- I thought it was an illegal formation. No, he has to not break. He has to not break the waistline. Correct. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we had a Dean Blandino sighting this week. That's what I was going to say. He uh-huh. uh, said that the strip the strip sack on Carson Wentz should have been called back as a uh, uh, roughing the passer because the arm of the strip sacker grazed the face mask of, of the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> so a great comment to that, which was uh, if that, if that play is going to be called roughing the passer, then it should just be playing illegal to sack the quarterback. And my response was, uh, I think that's the general idea. <laughs> it's the quarterback sacks are going to go the way of the kickoff. They're going to both be illegal in a couple of years. Uh, I don't know. Frightening. Um, Let's talk. Let's talk for a second around the league. Perch, um, we've, we're now a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, what's your biggest surprise, good and bad? Oh boy, um, good. I don't think any of us saw the Chiefs being four zero at this point. I thought, uh, I, you I know, and I, eh. said it in the. I said it in the pre the, our, our podcast before week one. Did you? I don't remember that. Yep. I, you know, I, and I thought the Chiefs were a year away because I, you know, I, I, I definitely liked Mahomes, and and the thought of Mahomes with Andy Reid to me was was going to be the, the thing that got them over the hump. I thought it would have taken him a year um, just to kind of get his feet under him and, and get going, but uh, that obviously hasn't been the case. Uh, so that's probably my my biggest surprise in the Dolphins too. I mean, I, not that I think the Dolphins are any damn good. They got waxed last week by the Patriots, but I didn't expect them to be three and one. Throw the Bengals in there too. I thought the Bengals were going to struggle this year, and they look a lot better than they have in the past. On the downside, you know, Steelers, uh, Vikings, I think are both been disappointing. The Eagles haven't looked anywhere near as good as kind of what we thought that they would. Um, yeah, that's probably the, the three that are I think. Uh, underachieving a little bit everybody else i was dead and on for the record <laughs> for the record fc um actually uh i would add probably i would add green bay with the injuries i don't necessarily would say that would be bad but uh yeah i agree with uh with perch i would add that uh 
I'm very, very intrigued by uh, the Rams still. Um, every time I expect them to falter, they just, they don't. And uh, McKay and, uh, or sh- not McKay, uh, the Rams head coach, Young Mc- Mc- McVay. McVay. McVay, there you go. <laughs> and Wade Phillips, you know, I, I give McVay tons of credit to saying, you know what, Wade, defense, that's you. Take it. It's your baby. You're the head coach of defense. And for a young kid to do that, to, to have that much, you know, belief not only in himself, but to be able to take your hands off the reins, I give him credit for that. Hey, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say my I'm, – I'm surprised – uh, that the Bears, I mean, I even even adding Khalil Mack, I'm surprised that they're playing as well as they are and, and look like they're in a position maybe to win that division. Um, that's that's surprising to me. Uh, I also, uh, the Rams, I, I guess my surprise would be not that they are playing well and that they're a good team, but uh, that guy, Jared Goff, if you don't put pressure on him, he played far better the last couple of weeks than I have ever seen him play, ever expected to see him play. And so I you know, was definitely uh, – that bodes well for them. I think their path, is, their path to the Super Bowl is going to be all about do they face a team that can generate pressure against their offensive line? Uh, because if they, if they play a team like that, they will, in fact, not make it past that team or they'll have a much harder chance getting past that team than a team that doesn't really – you know, get get after the passer, have a strong defensive front, so on and so forth. Um, in a in a like a shootout matchup, without a lot of pressure on a the quarterback, they're going to be great. Um, I'm a little bit surprised, I guess, at uh, that New England hasn't played better. To me, to me, they've been a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, they had a bounce back last week, uh, but I'm interested to see what they do tonight. Frankly, they're a huge favorite against Indianapolis, and I don't think Indianapolis is particularly good. But I wonder if uh, Gronkowski has been hurt this week. Uh, in general, their defense hasn't been really very good. Uh, I wonder if this, you know, this New England team might their hangover might last a little longer uh, into this season than it did last year, or the year before. Um, anyway, let's pick a game or two. Um, Baltimore at Cleveland. Cleveland is a three three point underdog perch. Um, I I think you could make an argument that these two teams are pretty even. Uh, you can make that argument. I, I think Cleveland's going to be missing a couple of their receivers this week. Um, so, I, yeah, this is a game I've been kind of looking forward to for a while. I, I think Baltimore goes up there and beats them, though, and I think the Baltimore wins and covers. I think that uh, uh, Brown's offense is going to – and Baker Mayfield's going to come back down to earth a little bit this week. So, I'll take uh, Ravens. They're giving three on the road. I think the Ravens win by, like, six points. FC, how do you see this? Um, does anybody know who Baker Mayfield threw his first touchdown pass to? Uh, I can picture the pass. I don't remember the kid's name, though. His name was Garon Conley, and he plays quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's going to be the, the classic, classic trivia answer. That's yeah. <laughs> I will take the Baltimore Ravens. I will lead a three. Um I'm not very impressed by the Browns. I think the Raiders stink. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the Ravens. I think they're going to win by at least a touchdown. I think you see a difference in what a defensive uh, front can make in a game 
uh, in this game. I think Cleveland will win this game against Baltimore. Um, I think that right now the Browns are going to be a little better at home than they are on the road. And, I, you know, the Steelers' front seven didn't really look all that great against uh, the Ravens' offense. But I have a feeling that um, those deep shots and the things that uh, Joe Flacco was doing against the Steelers are not going to be there with better coverage and Miles Garrett and Oba and guys like that uh, rushing the passer. So I like Cleveland in this game, uh, especially with the points. Um, Kansas City hosting Jacksonville. FC, I'll start with you. Uh, uh, we th- we th- you know tough pick. It's a tough game. It's at yeah. Kansas City. You're talking about yeah. the hottest offense against the hottest defense, basically. Right. How do you see this working out? Um, you got the worst defense in the NFL versus a team that can't beat the Tennessee Titans. It's weird as it is. Tennessee <laughs> swept Jacksonville last year. Maybe I'm this year. I was like, holy shit, you've got to be kidding me. I'm not going to um, – Perch doesn't pick against Tom Brady. I'm not picking against fucking Mahomes until he loses. So I'm going to take the Chiefs, shockingly. Um I think that they'll be able to score enough points, and this is where the Chiefs not being dependent on one guy and using seven and eight different receivers, I think, will play. You know, it'll it'll benefit them. Uh, you know, a great deal because Jacksonville is very good at taking away your top. They can take away the run, and they can take away your top receiver. You know, or they can take away two receivers. I don't think they can take away everything that Kansas City can do. Yeah, I got you. Uh, Perch, you want to weigh in? Yeah, I'm going to take the Jags. I, I think that, uh, that that defense will present enough of a problem. I, I think that the Jags, with their run game and, and their passing games, improved a little bit. They'll be able to score on that Chiefs defense. And I, I think that the Jags defense will get enough stops in that game to go out there and, and pull out a win. Yeah, I think it's a field goal game for Can- that, that Kansas City will probably win. So it's a push to me. Um I, I guess that means I will take Jacksonville and the points. Um, you know, I, I, I know that last week Denver took away uh, uh, the, the tight end, uh, Kelsey, and Sammy Watkins was injured. So, you know, it's like he did all that without really having Kelsey as his number one weapon. Um, I, Jacksonville, I think, can do that and more. I think they can not only take away Kelsey, I think they, you know, they have a guy that can – more or less neutralized Hill, too. So I see Kansas City being boxed in a situation where they have to try to win uh, with getting touches for Kareem Hunt, and I don't think that's a good formula against Jacksonville, to be honest with you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is a game where it's a very, very even. Kansas City might pull it out at the end, but I'll take Jacksonville on the points. Um, I, guess, I, guess that's, uh, I guess that's the main thing. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, this, any other games this week that, are, uh, that we need to know about. Uh, I'm going to say uh, let's move on to talk about our five-star matchup. You know it's a five-star matchup. One and three Atlanta Falcons against the one, two, and one Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, man, two wins between the, the Steelers and Falcons for a week five matchup. I don't think anybody saw that one coming. Um, I don't know. I guess. Uh, how about I start with me? We'll mix it up a little bit this week. How about that? There we go. Um, I'm going to start picking games based on um, the uh, what the analytics say, just for the hell of it, just to mix things up a little bit. Um, this matchup, the Steelers are playing a team that with a worse defense than theirs, 
but with a better offense than theirs. Uh, that makes it a that makes it a pretty tough pick. I think this is a very tight game. If FC is correct and the the Steelers come out with that sort of a game plan, I think it's an even tighter game than it than it is on paper. I'm going to say that uh, it's not in the 40s, but it's going to be right up about that, right up against that 60s number, and that the Steelers will win possibly late, 31 to 29 in this football game, and a mixed a missed two point conversion might be the difference for a game like this, as close as it is. Uh, Perch, I'll go to you next. We're picking any, any game around the league here. Oh no no we're picking the we're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers my friend. Okay Steelers uh, I, I'm still I'm sitting there looking at the lines. Fifty eight and a half over under. Holy shit! Have we ever seen a, an over under in a Steelers game at fifty eight and a half? Nope. It, we're we're a whole touchdown clear of any other game in the league. So you think of all the other games and all the other big quarterbacks. Uh, they're fifty two or forty eight or forty four. Fifty-eight and a half is just ridiculous, but uh, I think two bad defenses, <laughs> two awful defenses, two pretty good offenses, fireworks. Um, if I'm picking, I, I think that uh, the Steelers have enough inconsistencies and issues on their offense that they will shoot themselves in the foot with stupid penalties, uh, allow some sacks, and kill some drives on their own. Maybe miss some field goals. Uh, both defenses are going to suck. I think Atlanta's offense is a little bit more efficient, so I'm going to take uh, Falcons. Uh, let's go 35 or 34-33. Falcons win by by a point. Yeah, both of us picking close games. FC, how do you see it? One of two ways. I already gave you the sledgehammer game plan from the Steelers, where if uh, Steelers get the ball, they run. It's 2008. 2005 to 2008 type game plan where it's a 50-50 split. Um, if only they could bring that defense with them, FC. <laughs> we feel oh, sad. I know. But <laughs> let, me, let me get on with it, sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is a week that maybe Stephen Tewitt and Cam Hayward show up, maybe Bud Dupree, maybe Mike Hilton playing with the elbow brace. Um, you know, the Steelers last year, I think, were second in the NFL in sacks behind Jacksonville, and they did it with, you know, a variety of players. And uh, I think the Steelers, uh, you know, regardless defensively, I think they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to heat up Matt Ryan. They're going to have to be aggressive. Um, so what it comes down to me is what I think the Steelers' game plan is going to be. It's either going to be that or uh, they're going to, you know, trust Ben, and they're going to throw the ball around the the yard 55 times and that's where you're going to run into a 35-31 game or a 32-29 game um, regardless I think that the Steelers will win outdoors in Pittsburgh um, I will, I'm going to go with my original and I'm going to stick with 23-16 Steelers Wow, throwback game Steelers blowout <laughs> for FC um yeah, Perch, I wish – I'm going to give you your last word. I, I wish that the weather uh, wasn't going to be like uh, the most beautiful day in the history of Pittsburgh's Octobers. Um, that would be a nice uh, treat for a, a Dome team, but I guess we're not going to get that. Um, final thoughts for you today. A single most unlikable Steelers team of our lifetime. That's all I could say. Is and I've heard so many different fans from being at the game, from – talking to people around town, the people on, on the boards, the people on Twitter, this Steelers team has really rubbed its fan base wrong. 
in, in ways that I've never in the past 40 years seen the team rub their fan base. So either they get shit together and get right and go on a big winning streak now, or hopefully this is the impetus to uh, blow some things up as far as personnel and coaching staff at the end of the year. So it just, you know, so the first year I expect come into the season to look at this team as a possible Super Bowl team and to follow all the games instead of being miserable and, and hardly, you know, giving a rat's ass to watch the games is, is kind of where it is. But unlikable team, that's all I can – I've got stuck in my head right now. Yeah, I think that mostly they don't like them because they don't win. <laughs> They're not, they, haven't won, they won one game in the last five or something. Uh, FC, final thought. I agree with uh, with everything that Perch said. Um, the Steelers, outside of the not winning thing, they need to identify what makes this team unlikable, and they need to eliminate it. And uh, they have to, you know, realize that it is a business. But the biggest part of business is keeping your consumer happy. And uh, I do agree that this is probably the most unhappy. I can remember Steelers fans being with a Steelers team since, I want to say, 1999. Um, and uh, the three of us, we've been around uh, some Steelers message boards, so we've been able to take a pretty good pulse of Steelers Nation forever the last 20 years. And, uh, yeah, this is as toxic as it's been. Pretty bad. I mean, I, there, were some, there were some times with Cordell Stewart, a quarterback, and and Bill Collar at, at coach where it was right about up to 1999. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. You know, but the expectations then weren't, weren't as high and the players weren't as unlikable. That's the big thing. Even our great players. Well, were well, every bit as unlikable. It's just, they didn't have fucking social media back then. <laughs> it's the devil. <laughs> the devil. It's the devil that did it. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, well, Gentlemen, uh, I don't know what to say. I, I uh, you know, I, I just thank God. When the God. Steelers win 23-16, you'll know what to fucking no, say. No, no, here's, here's, <laughs> here's my final thought. Uh, I, thank God September's over. Because <laughs> the Steelers have, uh, under Mike Tomlin and with Ben Roethlisberger, one of the best records uh, in October and beyond that anybody has in the NFL. I mean, I know I said that last week with Sunday Night Football. Uh, so maybe this is the year we, we blow up all of those uh, trends. But it feels like the Steelers play better in the past the quarter poll. So hopefully we'll see enough of that on Sunday to eke out a win uh, against your Atlanta Falcons. Uh, FC, Perch, uh, everybody there at Steeler Fury, thanks for tuning in and thanks for joining me for the show and for uh, sticking it out in a Steelers season that could easily turn into a long season at any moment. <laughs> I'm your host, Ratchet Abense, and go get them, Steelers. Go Steelers.